have tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck! My name is Oliver Queen. My name is Barry Allen. You're blind, but you see so much. Everything we've been doing, it all leads here. Suit up. Jim Gordon, GCPD. I hear good things about you, Counselor. Harvey Dent. Likewise, about you, Detective. You think you know me, but I've never been more than what each of you has created. <laughs> Just look at the flowers. We're on the seventh episode of Televised Heroics, here to talk about all the comic book television you need to know about. I'm Mitch, and with me as always is... Daniel. <laughs> Daniel. All right. We have a lot to get through today. We have the double Gotham episodes. We have Arrow, Flash, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and a Walking Dead episode that was incredible! Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Even better than the first episode of the season, I believe. But we'll get to that. I love your enthusiasm on The Walking Dead. It was awesome. <laughs> Before we get started, I'd like to talk about starting next week. Monday is going to be the first episode of Supergirl. So that's one more show we're going to be adding onto our, our list. <laughs> show our, our, our podcast getting longer and longer here. Then we have also the trailer this past week for Jessica Jones finally hit. Not a teaser trailer, not uh, just a hand crushing a uh, alarm clock, but an actual trailer. Uh, I know you said you didn't get a chance to look at it. Everybody else, if you did, I would really love to hear some of your opinions, so please send them in, either Twitter, or Facebook, or our forums on our website. I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to the show I think the way that they're setting up is that she has superpowers, but she necessarily doesn't want to be involved in the superhuman world. She doesn't believe that just because she has superpowers, it doesn't define her, and she doesn't need to be uh, part of that world. She can totally do other things. I can't wait to find out what what the show is about, and David Tennant in it, oh my goodness, <laughs> creepy as hell. First up, Gotham, double episode. And what were your thoughts on this episode? Or I guess I should say both episodes. So Strike Force was the first episode, or yeah, the first episode we're going to talk about, episode four, season two. We are introduced to the new captain, the new captain of the, pre is he captain or is he, pre is he a commissioner? I would, well, I mean, he's replacing, I he just called Edson. him, yeah. Um, so well, he, He's a captain, according yes. to IMDb. He's Captain Nathaniel Barnes, played by Michael Chiklis. He is coming in, and he is basically saying, look, things are going to change. Cops are going to be good. You can't let people get away with things. Uh, otherwise, it makes you just as much of a criminal as them. He then takes uh, James Gordon aside and says, hey, I've heard a lot of great things about you. You're a real straight arrow. People look up to you. I want you to, to head up this a new, a new strike force. And we're not going to have any of the cops already on the GCPD. We're going to go pick out new recruits from the academy. I I want to say I thought it was badass how he just tore everybody a new one, and he basically, you know, got them online. Yeah, exactly. He like he comes in to the precinct and he's has everybody lined up, and he's even says they're like, "Hey, what did you do? And what did have, have any of you ever thought about this?" 
And have you ever done something like this? And then they, people are raising their hands because they think it's innocent. And he's like, nope, you're out. Get the hell out of my precinct. So that was pretty awesome. Yep. Which is cool because, you know, this is what Gotham needs. It needs someone to come in and clean up uh, the bad element. And we this is what we uh, usually associate with Gordon. So it's kind of the, getting the idea of where Gordon's going to get his uh, running orders from. You know what I mean? Yep. I feel that now with this new uh, captain, uh, Gordon's going to start being, I guess, a, a better cop, you know, not working with Penguin and, you know, just running everything by the books. But see, that does bring up what is he, what is uh, Barnes going to do when he finds out that Gordon did run with the penguin for a little bit and, you know, killed that guy when he wasn't on duty and, you know, for whatever reason that, that I think that's where our big drama is going to come from. And that kind of takes us into the next episode. It's called scarification. What they're trying to say is that, Barnes might not let Gordon get away with what we know Gordon got away with, or Gordon is going to try and look the other way on other things, and Barnes isn't going to like that. Yes, definitely going to be some conflict there. What did you think of, you know, the Penguin losing it and going ape shit? I think, okay, so this is, I mean, that is kind of cool because it kind of brings back to the temper problems that you usually see the penguin have in the comic books he very much so will be even tempered at one moment and then totally off his rocker in the next and uh the way that we see theo gallivant is using the penguin now as his latch lackey basically as his henchman he's using the penguin's uh network of criminals uh to do his bidding because he has the penguin's mother uh, kidnapped and basically holding him and to force the penguin to do whatever he wants, which is kill off his opponents for the mayor and make it look like he was also being targeted and then, you know, whatever else is going to come up. And pretty much we already know that uh, Gordon already knows that the penguin is behind it and doesn't pay him a visit just to see why he's doing it. I don't know what what does he tell him. Uh, he he just asks him like you know why are you doing this you know this doesn't concern you, and kind of also goes into the whole you know I owed you a favor or you worked for me so you did me a couple of favor or no I did you a lot a couple of favors so you know might as well you know it's in your best interest that you stay clear out of this one. Right, and so it doesn't make any sense for the Penguin to be involved in uh, politics. He, that's not what he, he does. That's not what his network is about. It's all about uh, favors and crimes and stuff like that. But Theo having his, his mother, you know, turns it all around. Which then we get into this past episode where Penguin starts losing it. He doesn't, he doesn't, he's losing his grip on his... Uh, his city or the way he thinks of it. And then, so he also takes it into account that he's, or he starts losing his mind. The big reveal is the best way to, to get to Theo is to have Butch say that the penguin mistreats him and then uh, use him as a uh, basically undercover to go into Theo's organization. And stabs Butch. No, not just stabs. <laughs> Cuts off his hand. Yeah. 
<laughs> that was crazy. I just so, <laughs> and so this also revealed that like the penguin has some type of like uh, sway over Butch, like to the point where he, Butch will do whatever the penguin says, even if it if it's not something that he wants to do. Which I don't think they've really touched on before. Exactly. I was gonna say they haven't implemented why you know he he's helping out the penguin and why he's doing everything he says. And the and the car too. He's like, I don't know why we're doing it, but I'll do it. Yeah, exactly. Like Butch, since coming back from uh, Falcone, having him for it has been like very submissive to the penguin. So it's it's interesting to find out. There's a reason why he's submissive. Did he get a lobotomy and, you know, they reprogrammed him? It might be a lobotomy. It might be hypnosis. It might be something. It, it's obviously something. So uh, I think that's going to be interesting to if they develop that more. Uh, right now it's all about him uh, being used by the Penguin to get into Galavin's organization. Which is going to play out pretty interestingly, especially with the preacher pray, uh, paying him a, a visit or the priest. I want to know what that's all running because this episode obviously went back in time to you know the the whole history of Go- not the whole history of Gotham. Yeah, no, that's that was okay. So that was the big part of the the newest episode to bring up the fact that there are four major families in, or at least there were four major families in Gotham. It's the Waynes, the Elliots, the Dumases, and one other family don't remember what the other family was don't remember the other either funny that they bring up family called dumas because dumas ha- is a name that does sound familiar in the batman comic books it's the the order of saint dumas which is where we get asriel the character asriel from uh in the batman comics he's a character that in his original run was psychologically trained or brainwashed to basically have meta almost meta powers as in strength and endurance and reflexes uh creating the Azrael uh character who eventually will become Azbat and then agent of the bat which is where I get my name from I I really love <laughs> that character eventually the character of John Paul Valley dies and we have Michael Lane become the new Azrael, and he it becomes much much more of a Catholic character. Whether or not this storyline is going to have anything to do with an Azrael character, I have no idea. Um, I doubt it, seeing as how they're using the Dumas name as a as a last name instead of as a saint. But they did bring in a priest like you said so it could very much well happen so it's 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 revealed later okay so the the backstory for this that these four families is that uh, uh the the dumas character back in the day fell in love with a, a girl from another family and when that family found out they basically destroyed the dumas family the waynes destroyed the family well, it wasn't just the Wayne. It was the other. There's three other families did it together, but yes, the Waynes. It was Celeste Wayne, I believe. Yes, right. So they, uh, 
they basically didn't want the Dumas family to have any power in Gotham anymore. Got rid of their name, got rid of any buildings that had their name on it, changed it to other things, uh, ran them out of town, killed off other members. And it's, it's, this is a, a sordid affair that you find out that the Wayne family is involved in, uh, something that you wouldn't expect because we believe that the Wayne family to be all, so altruistic. And this is before Thomas Wayne's time, obviously. Yep. It is revealed that Theo Gallivan is a direct descendant of this Dumas character. And that's why he uh, has come back to Gotham to take his revenge, just not using the Dumas name. And once again involved with Bruce, obviously. Um, the preacher or the priest asks him if, you know, if he has Wayne on his side yet. And he's like, no, not yet. There's some other complications that we need to take care of first. Yeah, but then he also talks about wanting to kill Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And which I always think is like, I get it, you're causing drama, but we know that Bruce Wayne's not going to die. That's <laughs> not a character that can die um, because of who he's going to be in the future. And they eventually, well, they don't have to, the show itself doesn't have to get to that point, but the character does. Yes. So we know Bruce Wayne's not going to die. Why not pick a different character? Pick Alfred, pick um, Gordon. I mean, it's just as likely that these characters need to live until Bruce Wayne becomes Batman also, but it could be that they could change it enough that they they could die. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no there's no drama, there's no there's no suspense in saying we're gonna kill Bruce Wayne. It does nothing. <laughs> exactly. What else did you think of this episode? What else I, I thought oh, we didn't talk about Firefly. That's a big. That was a big character they brought into this yep. uh, world. Now they made it. They made her a girl. Yeah, which I thought worked. I mean, I I don't know how it felt with her being so meek and shy, but then I guess it just had to do with the character development once she put on the suit and got the flamethrower going. Yeah, exactly. I think they're playing. They're definitely playing with the psychology of having so much power, making a person that was so meek and uh, weak in comparison, becoming so powerful through the weapon. In the show, she belongs to a family of arsonists. It's supposedly the family business. She has three older brothers that basically make her be their house woman, cooking, cleaning, doing their uh, errands and stuff like that. And then uh, the, the youngest brother ends up getting killed when he's... <laughs> when he's at the Walmart of black markets. I thought that was, like, the way that the show goes is one way, and then all of a sudden you have this, like, big box store that has explosives and uh, guns and all this C4 stuff, and it's just like, okay, this is a little cheesy. It's a little out of character for the show. It's a little too uh, comical for this show. Yeah, I thought it was a... I don't know why they threw it in there. I don't know either, especially with the announcer saying, like, oh, you know, you can get your... This is on clearance or whatever. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it was... I get I get. it was funny, but this isn't a show where that's supposed to happen, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't know exactly understand where that was supposed to fit in. But you have the scene where the younger brother basically... This is already a black market illegal place, and he's supposed to be buying these this, this equipment, and he decides, well... This C4 might be a little too expensive. I'm going to just steal it from the black market and put it in my pants. So he runs away. Once the cops bust the place in, 
Uh, he runs away. Gordon and Barnes run after him. They go to. They are chasing down the younger brother, and he he is caught at a fence. And instead of giving himself up, he decides to pull a gun on the cops. The cops fire on him, and one of their bullets strikes the C4 that he has in his pants, blowing him to smithereens. <laughs> oh, it was man. quite comical. Oh man, that was just so cheesy, man. That. Uh, I don't know. That just took me out of the, out of the whole mood, out of the element of the show. I know that that whole scene with the the Walmart uh, ammo and the blowing up of the character. It was just so out of place and cheesy. I don't know why they put it in there. I don't know why they decided it was it was a good idea. But it basically gave us a reason why the 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 younger girl of the family ends up having to do the heist, the arson job with them, putting on the Firefly outfit. Selena apparently knows this girl from from their younger days, and she tells her, you know, you don't need to stick around with your brothers. They're only using you. They're only going to drop you whenever the, the heat gets on. You should just come with me. She says no. She wants to stay with her family. Until the point when they do leave her behind, and she almost gets arrested, and Selena helps her get away. She killed the cop man, one of the new recruits from the task force too. That's right. She she ends up burning him pretty bad. Uh, I think they just say he's in the hospital though. Did he die? Oh yeah, he died. Uh, Barnes at the end of the episode, he says like, "Oh yeah, he died at five something in the morning." Uh, okay, so yeah, one of the strike forces now down. Now, did you happen to catch all the names of the different Strike Force members? Because I don't think any of them struck me as being a character from the comic books. No, I, I didn't catch any of the names either. <laughs> no, I mean there was like Martinez and, and and yeah, it was basically I think it was four four people all together, and I don't think any of them sounded like someone from the comic books. No. Well, now we're down to four. It was five. Now we're down to four. Oh, okay. Now we're down to four. And I, I mean, basically, that's the the Gotham episodes. Other than setting up Galavan for for stories, and then giving us the Firefly, which uh, is going to be, uh, I think, I probably concluded in this next episode. There wasn't really much else to talk about for this this these two episodes. No, I felt both episodes were were pretty pretty slow. And uh, be completely honest. Um, we're going to talk about them later, but Arrow and Flash also felt like, you know, it was a little bit slow as well. I think we're pretty much covered Gotham to the point where it needs to be done. There wasn't too many big reveals. There weren't too many big uh, happenings. So let's go ahead and get on to Arrow. All right. Now, Arrow was... Three of season four. Um, they introduced a metahuman, which was basically uh, DC's Gambit. Oh, that's right. Well, oh, double down. Okay, so so the idea now is that Damian Dark is using Hive as his personal henchman, um, other than than ghosts, his ghost soldiers. So he hires that uh, Femina chick, and she has Double Down as her bodyguard. He's supposed to come to Star City to kill the Arrow. And it becomes a lot more difficult than he plans. Now, his power, they say, comes from... His power is to pull his tattoos off of his body and throw them. 
and his tattoos are in the form of car playing cards. That's why that's where you get your your gambit from. Yep. They say that he was in he was getting his tattoos done. Yeah, in Central City while the particle the, accelerator. The, thank you. The particle accelerator was going off. So yeah, thus making him a meta. It's basically the the catch-all for this universe <laughs> that if you have a power, you were near Central City at the time. Except for Deathbolt. Deathbolt is the only one that they've said so far was not in Central City during that time, so we don't know how he got he got his meta powers. And uh, will we ever find out? <laughs> I don't know because Deathbolt's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Arrow is taking on Damian Dark. The other big part of the show was Laurel and Thea taking Sarah's body to Nanda Prabhat. Woo! They tell Ollie that they're taking Thea there so that she can work some things out, right? Yeah. Or no, they, he just, they just tell her that they're going on vacation. Go they on. don't even tell him that they're going to Nanda Prabhat. He says, oh, we're going to a spa. We need a girl's night out or something like that. They go they, they go there. Uh, Malcolm Merlin's like, well, what are you people doing here? And she's like, well, I need to be able to deal with the fact that I am getting crazier and crazier. Oh, oh and by the way, Laurel wants to bring back Sarah. So there you go. <laughs> That's right. It was a little tag on. They're like, "Oh yeah, we also brought this body, so could you please throw it into a, one of your Lazarus pits?" <laughs> Basically, what is what does Malcolm Merlin tell Thea about her going crazy? That she needs to kill people. Uh, basically, I told Ollie not to do this because I knew what was going to happen as soon as you were thrown into the pit. Um, basically, the only way to calm yourself down, calm your bloodlust, is to murder a few people. Um, because the reason behind it is because everyone who has ever bathed in the pit waters, um, there's a little bit of their soul. So basically, you take on their a uh, bit of their soul once you emerge from the water. But the other way is to also get your revenge on the person that killed you. That made you go into the pool. And she says she can't do that because Rachel Ghoul is dead. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> so she will forever be angry uh, as long, unless she takes lives every once in a while yep. to, to ba- basically satisfy that hunger. And that was, a, that was a horrible parenting, but also, you know, I guess a nice setup. Right. And it's that. Yeah, it's exactly. It's a nice setup. Thea actually says, yeah, we're going to go ahead and do it. We're going to put Sarah's body into the pit. Malcolm says the exact same thing again. I won't let you do it, but, you know, if this is what you really want, then go ahead. And Nisa, of course, is is protesting the whole time because she loved Sarah and she doesn't want this to happen because she knows the ramifications of the, of the consequences of doing such a thing. And I'm not going to lie, I like the, the scene that Nisa had with Laurel telling her why not to do it. I thought that was a really really well acted scene. Yeah, exactly. Like cuz Laurel comes in there and says, "I thought you of all people would be on board with me to to do this." And Nisa's like, "No, you of all people should know not to do this. I mean, you loved her, so you're going to be putting her through a whole bunch of pain." And she's like, "No. We got to do things my way." <laughs> I want to bring her back. Oh, it's going to make Dad so happy. Yeah, it's not going to make Dad happy at all. <laughs> uh, so the, I, we also had a few flashbacks uh, back to the island. Someone has stolen some opiates from the the, the crop, and 
they want to know who did it. They have all the workers lined up saying we're going to start killing random people unless you unless whoever did it comes forward. Finally, the girl comes forward that has been kind of the focus of the workers. And she says, I did it. And Ollie says, okay, I'll take her to the other side of the island and kill her in private because you don't want uh, the boss to know you're just killing off his workers. They'll never find a body. Right. That's all he says. I can put, I can do it so that you can never find the body and the boss won't be upset, which I think was some of the weakest writing for the whole idea of why, how to get them, get her away. I mean, I understood what he was trying to do, but it's like, why would the boss care for one? <laughs> and two, is he still, isn't he still going to see that he's, he's down workers? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, he gets her away. Um, the other bodyguard guy or guard sends another guard with Ollie and her and says, keep a good eye on them because, you know, what for whatever reason, Ollie tries to get a little bit ahead of the guy to the point where he steps on a landmine and blows <laughs> himself up. Uh, the no-name guy, the, the red shirt, not Ollie. So once that happens, Ollie says the girl can go off on her own and try and stay hidden or whatever, right? Yeah, and he says, if you want to get off this island alive, you have to listen to me and uh, do as I say, or else you're going to get us both killed. And that's what happens in the flashback segments. Anything else you want to think about, say about this episode? Like, it, once again, you were, like you were saying earlier, it wasn't very insightful, wasn't very meaningful for an episode. Not much happens other than bringing Sarah back. Yeah. I thought, um, I don't know, maybe you thought it was pretty goofy, but I like the scene where Damien, like, throw a card at me, and then, you know, double down, tosses the card, stops it, and then kills um, the other lady, I forgot her name. Yeah, the Femina? Yeah. Yeah, and, and, the, and that, yeah, that was a good that was a good example of showing off Damien Dark's power set and how powerful he actually is. Double Down was even like, okay, I don't think I'm going to work for you guys. I need to get out of town. <laughs> this is too nuts. This is crazy. Uh, we need to get out of here. We have So we have that. We had Diggle and Ollie still are at each other. Well, at least Diggle doesn't trust Ollie. Uh, Diggle makes it a point to say, at one point in time, we were such close friends, I would have took a bullet for you. Which obviously was a big setup so that Ollie could take a bullet for Diggle later on in the episode, which he does. We have Felicity having more interaction with this Curtis Holt character. Now, it's funny because they keep calling him Curtis Holt, which is an alias of Michael Holt, Mr. Terrific. But for whatever reason, they never call him Michael Holt in the show. What we do see, T-Spheres, though, which I thought was interesting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was pretty cool. Something keeps going wrong with, with Felicity's phone for whatever reason. Yeah, it just, uh, the last scene with her phone, it just says uh, Felicity. I think that's actually how the episode ended, which I believe has to be, you know, Ray Palmer. Yeah, it would make sense that Ray Palmer is shrunk down and... In messing around with her phone to get a, get her attention, get uh, her attention. Thank you. So it's got seeds for stuff, just not a very good episode in its own. No, uh, out of one to ten, what would you rate rate this episode? I think is it's right there in the middle. So you probably five or six. I mean, like I said, it's got some good seeds. It just doesn't have much of anything else in it. And and that's what you're going to get a lot in, especially CW shows because they have so many episodes. You get a lot of filler episodes. 
filler episodes be, that will get you to the next big episode or couple episode story arc where uh, you know, we will deal with Damien Dark or we will deal with Adam being shrunk down or Sarah being brought back to life. Which, at the end of the episode, Sarah did get dunked into the Lazarus pit. She did come back to life. But she is super crazy and super savage. Can't even talk. She's just growling and snarling. And they they had to freaking chain her up, too. Like I said, there's lots of plants, lots of seeds, just nothing important. What would you give the episode? One out of ten. Uh, I don't know if I'm being a little bit genuine, uh, generous, but I might give this one maybe like a 6.5 or a 7. It was entertaining. Yeah, and and, yeah, and like I said, I, I'm, I'm used to it. These are the type of episodes that are gonna, we're going to get. It's just nothing really, to me, nothing really happened. It's just a filler episode. Yep. Which takes us into Central City. Yes. <laughs> Flash, what did you think of this episode? Give us kind of a recap of what happened in this episode. What happened in this episode is the Snarks are in town. Oh, I guess they never really left town. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's all about the Snart. Was it Snart? Yeah, it's Snart, right? Yeah. God, man, the father is so evil. <laughs> yeah. His fa- now, the father, played by Michael Ironside, really usually known for playing quite the dick in most everything. <laughs> Basically, he's got Leonard Snart to do his bidding because he's planted a bomb inside a uh, young sister snart's head that he will blow up at any moment if Leonard doesn't do what he says with his freeze ray gun. What kind of father do- does that? Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's doing it to his own daughter. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah, basically the dad had Leonard by the balls because he loves his daughter so right. much. Or his sister, I mean. He loves his sister, yeah. Yeah, no, and that's exactly what it is. It's a, And that kind of follows the comic book. You don't see Larry Snart, the the father, that often in the comic books anymore after the point where uh, Leonard left home to get away from him, his abusive father, and then eventually came back to get the sister away from the father, too. We don't really see the father again, but they brought the father in on this, that he's some type of criminal, and he needs to use Leonard's cold gun to set up this heist. And if he doesn't do it, he's going to blow up the, the young daughter's head makes a lot of sense that he would uh, do this because he's pretty much an abusive prick. I, I mean, that's that's putting it lightly. <laughs> he, he was an abusive prick in the comic book, too, so that's that's where they're keeping it uh, close to the comic book. Other than that, it's just setting up the whole... Captain Cold isn't quite a villain. He just does things that he, you know, wants to do for himself, you know? Yeah. It's not so much... He's not He's not out to kill anybody. Like, unless well, you're not anybody, unless they do something <laughs> wrong, yeah. Because at the end of the episode, he kills his father. He puts a icicle right through the guy's chest. That so. was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and once again, the Flash is kind of like, "Uh, well, you didn't have to do that." He's like, "Well, I could, you know, he 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 did me wrong. I I didn't like the guy anyways. He tried to kill my sister, so I so kind of had to." Flash is like. <laughs> The Flash is just like, all right, I guess. <laughs> Go about your way, Snart. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's kind of how that played out. This episode also basically I, three love stories, I guess, in a way. Before I start off on this, I just wanted to say that Cisco's shirt was fucking awesome. I want it. <laughs> <laughs> Which shirt was it this time? He, <laughs> I don't remember. He had the, the narwhals 
and one was black and one was white, and the white one had a blue lightsaber for the horn, <laughs> and the black one had a red one. Very topical, seeing as how the Star Wars trailer just came out. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so Snart, yes, the Snart is, you know, kind of infatuated with what is it, Lucy Snart? I, I don't know. It's it's something with an L because the, all the families have an L name, and it's her last name Snart. Yes. She's the Golden Glider. <laughs> I don't exactly remember what her name was, but she is always flirting with with Cisco, and Cisco doesn't quite understand what to do with it. So, yep. we have uh, Patty Spivet is flirting with Barry, and Barry is flirting back, but he doesn't know that he's flirting back. Yep. He's completely oblivious to the fact that the girl likes him, and then she's like, "Wait, are we still joking around?" Because she wants she's giving him his number, her number, and. He doesn't realize that, and he, she's like, I, I, did we lose each other somewhere? And he's like, oh, I didn't know we were serious. And she's like, well, you should have my number anyways just for work reasons. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and she totally awkwards her way out of the out of the room. <laughs> hey, man. You know, he, he's kind of oblivious when it comes to girls. I'm kind of oblivious when it comes to girls, too. I need a giant sign that says, hey, look at me. I like you. <laughs> Oh, trust me, I need the, I need that sign. I need a, a air traffic controller out there with his cones trying to tell me what's going on too. But it just, you know, it was it was a funny scene. Uh, what's the third relationship? Well, we've seen it from the start, but you know, it's starting to develop a little bit more uh, with with Caitlyn and uh, Jay. That's right, Jay Garrick and Caitlyn Snow getting it on. <laughs> no, they didn't actually get it on. But you know what I'm telling you about. i think more and more uh, i don't know i I think this is totally this is totally terrible of me to think of it this way but the more i watch the episodes with jay in it the more i think oh there's definitely gonna be a turn he's gonna be a bad guy or something (laughs) which just sucks because one it sucks is writing wise because they already did that harrison wells was a good guy that they turned and was a bad guy and now if they do that with Jay, I'm going to be like, ah, that sucks because Jay is awesome. This show has no originality. We need to watch another one. <laughs> oh, I don't think that'd be a good idea. People would revolt. <laughs> what did you think of the after credit scene of the episode? Okay, so the episode, they managed to stabilize the wormhole connection. And then that's when Jay's like, oh, I should probably head home now. My people need me. And that's when Caitlin's like, no, you should stay. Help train the Flash. Fast forward. Um, it's the middle of the night. Um, then it pans out to the same wormhole. Um, and you see a figure step out of it. And then you see Harrison Wells. All Terminator-esque-like coming out of that wormhole. Did you take that as being our wormhole? Like in the Star Labs? Oh, yeah. Like our Star Labs? Oh, yeah. I took that as being his wormhole in his Star Labs on another Earth. I guess I... I don't know. I, I It's that's interesting to think about whether it's our, my way or your way. And if it is my way, is he still going to have his powers? It's, that's whether or not that's the Harrison Wells that's a bad guy. Uh, we don't know that yet. There's nothing... There's nothing to say that he's a, a bad guy Harrison Wells. He could just be the actual Harrison Wells that is very good at science true but i mean just you know the his posture just his position when he stepped out of that wormhole it's like i'm here to fuck shit up (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I, I don't know. If, if he doesn't have his – I mean, it, it's going to be – like we've said from the beginning, that's the trouble with time travelers. You don't – you can never kill them because they exist at different periods of time all the time. Yep. So we don't know exactly what's going on with this character, uh, whether or not it's uh, Professor Zoom or Reverse Flash or not, or if it's just Harrison Wells, or if it's, you know – the black he could end up being the black flash that's that'd be crazy yeah oh man but that that actually the whole episode was cheesy and you know campy but that definitely made it awesome <laughs> yeah it was it was it was yeah i think the yeah the cheesiness that came in when you know barry is like oh i should be on your heist team just put in a good word for me as a bad guy as a criminal and like he pulls off the whole I know certain tech things that's going to help you, but I don't know if this is Barry or if this is Grant Gustin couldn't pull off the I'm a villain character <laughs> <laughs> that I know how to how to do uh, criminal things. It was I thought it was quite hilarious. And the way he was talking when he was trying to pretend to be a criminal, god. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's so it's so a, a boy scout trying to act like a criminal. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> I you know I did see that there was the rumor that Tom Welling is, is going to show up in the Flash as, as Superman at some point has resurfaced. Wow! So I think that'd be kind of interesting. I mean, it was a CW show, so why not? That'd be pretty awesome. It'd just be a cameo, though, right? Right, exactly. It'd be kind of like how Jay Garrick is. You know, he might show up for like two episodes or or one episode or something. It might. You know what? It could also be. That since uh, we're talking about traveling to different dimensions, maybe Barry goes to a different dimension where basically the Smallville t- dimension where uh, Tom Welling is Superman. That, that's, uh, that's something to think about. That's something to chew on, listeners. Let that sink in. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost connecting worlds. <laughs> Which, you know, kind of also brings into account because... Uh, we know that the Supergirl TV show exists in a world where there is a Superman, but yet they have never said who they're going to have play Superman, or if Superman's even going to show up in the show. I can't see how he couldn't, but... Yeah, I mean, they might just mention mention him by name. Who knows? Yeah, they, I, they're they definitely going to mention him by name. And that's coming out pretty soon. That's Yep, that's this Monday, coming up. Oh, wait, we already touched base on that. <laughs> we did. That's okay. <laughs> Anything else you want to say about The Flash? I think I covered all my bases. Uh, is there anything you want to say? Nope. I think I'm good. That brings me to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the area of the show where I talk to myself. <laughs> <laughs> but you're so good okay, at it. So, I'm so good at Thank you. <laughs> so please, anybody else that's, that is interested in this show, go ahead and send me some feedback. Talk to me about it on our social media. I would love to talk to someone else about the show. I know Daniel still has a little bit of catching up to do, and I I fully have uh, faith in him that he's going to get there. What? I just right now would like <laughs> – no, I said I have faith that you will get there. Okay. So, <laughs> so Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, once again, not much happened in this episode. This is kind of a week of the episodes just kind of doing their thing to get to the next thing. We have the ATCU – um, coming down on more Inhumans and using Coulson and his gang to help do that. We see two people living in an apartment that were Inhumans, went through Terrigan Mist before this whole 
fish oil pill thing that happened at the end of season two. We, we, we see the inhuman that we saw in season two that can make multiples of herself. She, one of her multiples gets killed and it has a really, really big effect on um, Prime when one of her multiples gets killed, one of her dupes gets killed. We then also have a lot to do with the Hunter character. Hunter has almost basically successfully infiltrated uh, Hydra to the point where he's going to uh, talk to some upper guys about whether or not they want to buy his weapons. When he gets there, the guy that he's been work dealing with says, all right, you're going to meet the main guy. And right then, uh, Ward sticks his head out and says, I hear you have some weapons for us to buy. Hunter has his back to Ward at the moment. He says, well, don't really have some weapons for you, but I do have a bullet for you kind of dialogue. Spins around, goes to shoot Ward, and Ward ducks out of the way just in time. You know, it's him and May having to fight off all these these Hydra agents. They seem like they're doing a pretty good job. They're holding their own. And then Ward sends over a cell phone to May, basically saying, Look, you need to let me go or else your ex-husband's going to die. And there's some live footage that they have of Dr. Carter um, in a convenience store and it's kind of saying look we have an agent right next to him if you don't let us go we're going to kill her kill him and Hunter keeps saying it's it's a ruse it's a ruse well, we know for a fact that they do have an agent right next to him it's that uh, Baron Von Strucker kid that we um, saw join, the, join, join his class a couple, couple episodes back and she gets a hold of Coulson because Coulson is supposed to be coming with the team to help her out this uh, taking down Ward. She tells Coulson to go help Carter instead. Basically, they don't get there in time. Carter is dead. So the, May is going to be very upset next episode. And that's the big, big piece of the, the episode uh, for this week. Other than that... You have Agent Simmons basically explaining or trying to keep it a secret that she wants to go back to the planet that she was on because she has some unfinished business there for whatever reason. Uh, I think the next episode we're going to see a lot of what happened to her while she was on that planet, probably why she wants to go back. Uh, I think we see a lot more of Mockingbird really itching to get out in the field, uh, especially since uh, the guy that she's romantically involved with is in trouble having to fight Ward. And we have we see a little bit of more uh, back and forth between um, Rosalind and Coulson. Rosalind's the one that's in charge of the ATCU. Hmm. It's again, it's 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 a lot of it's a lot of setting up. It's a lot of following through with some storylines and the way that they're doing this season so far, it seems they are tackling certain parts of the story. And it almost to the point where they're giving you some kind of resolutions, but then kind of taking them away. So once again, anybody that would like to talk to me about that, you can reach me on Facebook or Twitter or our website. <laughs> That's my Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. two minutes, 120 seconds. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get to the big show, the big one, The Walking Dead. The season six, episode two, very big episode. Wow. So much, so much was was uh, revealed. So much was uh, set up. So once I almost have to give you a kudos. You we talked about it uh, last week. What was that horn? 
and it was a <laughs> horn. It wasn't a car horn. It was a semi truck horn. So I will, I will, I'm gonna have to pat myself on the back because I said there's no way a car horn was heard all the way back uh, where <laughs> they were. A uh, semi truck horn, air horn. I can see that. I can see that. Which was so re- okay. So I have, I really have a tr- troubles with uh, Alexandria. I constantly have troubles of figuring out which side of the wall things are on. So when they're out there in the, when it's. Uh, Deanna and Maggie out there in the garden, which they've told Maggie to go out in the garden because she needs something to distract her so that she can be a better um, leader for the group. Uh, the garden is on the outside of the wall, which I, for, for the longest time, think, was thinking that it was on the inside of the wall. You have this big church with that has a clock tower that is also on the outside of the wall, and that's where her son is doing the snipering from. Not a good job at it. Not a good <laughs> job at it. Which we've seen many times with the the people from Alexandria. They're just not really good at living in this world because they haven't had to be really good at living in this world. Personally, I thought the episode was kind of slow in the beginning. In the beginning. That's all I'm saying. So, okay. listeners, don't attack me. I said in the beginning. Um, and I mean, it was nice getting a little bit of, uh, I guess, background on why Enid is the way that she is. So closed off from everybody right, else. Right, we found out what JSS means. Yep, and one tiny thing. How the hell did she survive eating that raw turtle? Turtles carry salmonella. She then die. <laughs> I don't know. It, it was. I think it was more just, uh, hey, what can we show in this scene? Uh, what would have been slow enough for her to actually catch... So yeah, eating that uh, that tortoise was just nasty. Yep. Um, then of course, in her state of mind, she has to spell out JSSS or JSS with the bones. Oh, it's so so funny, <laughs> so adorable. I don't know. Like I get what she did is just survive somehow, and I just feel like. I don't even think a, a girl her age would, would come up with a phrase like that. It, it doesn't seem like uh, the right wording to me. Maybe maybe her parents told her that. I don't know. That I can get I – can, I can give you – I'll give you that. Maybe it was something her, her father or her mother kind of drilled into her head uh, beforehand that we didn't get to see because <laughs> – <laughs> As soon as we see we meet her parents, they get eaten, <laughs> and she gets to sit there and watch them get eaten from the car door. <laughs> so yeah, we got a little bit of, of backstory on Enid. Um, we get to see more of Susie Homemaker Carol and how she does with the other housemaker homemaker uh, ladies of the of the of the town. They're swapping different. Uh, recipes one even thanks her so much for her cola canned ham recipe which just sounds disgusting <laughs> to me everything about that gross. <laughs> so i could only imagine that it would it didn't it, it, it must i don't know uh then the the one lady says you know all these all these noodles are really old and and not good if i could get a one of those pasta makers <laughs> i could we could have fresh noodles and Carol's like, you know, you don't really need a pasta maker. I can just show you how to make pasta from scratch. She and she's like, oh, really? That'd be great. And then Carol says, yeah, but you got to stop smoking in the house. 
It's disgusting. And there's enough things around here trying to kill us without you having to, without you trying to kill yourself with a cigarette. Which, which is very funny because she is outside later on smoking her cigarette outside the house when a wolf comes in and slices her face open with a machete. God, everything about uh, where shit's up. <laughs> just everything. That scene, that scene is set up so nicely, and it all plays out in real time because we see her setting her. Uh, timer her egg timer on the for the uh, 45 minutes yeah for the oven uh right before the wolves attack and at the very end of the episode the timer goes off and carl takes the stuff out of the <laughs> oven just like it's any other day <laughs> <laughs> but i mean this this episode was really a showcase of how badass carol is i think yes uh it did a lot of things it did it, we get to see a lot more of morgan uh, how he is dealing with uh, his new life in Alexandria. We get to see um, Enid, uh, how she uh, feels about Carl or not feel about Carl. And then we get to see how, uh, I still don't remember what her name is, the chick that does the haircutting, or how she is going to adapt to this new world where someone is, uh, where she has to protect herself and her fam- her boys. Oh, dude, her scene was awesome brutally awesome man <laughs> so the whole scene where the wolves come running into into town obviously the security sucks at alexandria and we know this already um they come running in and it's it starts off out of the blue like literally when the first uh wolf takes that machete to that lady who's smoking a cigarette i thought it was a walker i was like oh shit walkers got in gotta you know deal with that and then i was like wait walkers don't use machetes <laughs> so this isn't a dead person this isn't a zombie this is a, a live person and then i was like oh shit it is the wolves so carol sees this and she goes straight into action she goes out there kills a couple people then she puts on an outfit, one of the wolves' outfit, to basically disguise herself so she can get closer to wolves and then kill them. Fucking insane. That just shows you how smart she is. Exactly. It, it, shows her, it shows that she knows her shit now. She knows how to survive. She knows what needs to be done. And she's thinking... Five steps ahead now, you know? She's not reacting to what's happening. She is reacting and then planning. I mean, she's Batman. (laughs) (laughs) She put on her Matches Malone outfit and went out there and started killing people. Fuck, man. She went out there just just kicking ass and taking names. That's right. Then uh, she knew what the priority was. She needed to get to the armory. She needed to get there before the wolves got there so that none of them would have guns to get a hold of. At one point, Morgan has taken down one of the guys without killing him and has then bound him and is going to start asking him questions. And the guy, funny thing is, the guy says, you people aren't supposed to be here. It's obvious that, you know, there's something else going on with these characters. What it could uh, possibly mean in uh, the ramifications of them being there. Before he can even say anything else, Carol comes just walking by, shoots him in the head, and keeps walking. And Morgan's just like, uh, what the <laughs> hell? <laughs> 
So uh, we see Morgan come up against a group of wolves. I'd say it's probably about five or six of them. He is able to disarm a few of them with his bow staff, basically telling them, look, uh, you need to get out of here. Tells the other three that you need to go. You need to get the hell out of here. I'm not, I haven't killed anybody yet, but I can, I can if I need to. Or basically telling him he's, he's trying to walk the path of the, of the peaceful man. Which then gets put into very big test because when they think everything is done for, he goes into his house and there is one walker left. It happens to be one of the walkers that he let go before he got to Alexandria. And uh, he comes at him. He comes at Morgan trying to kill him and he won't stop. Like even though Morgan's beat him a few times, he won't stop. So it's very much so uh, Morgan has to put him down permanently. I mean, that really did test his patience. I mean, Morgan's a nice guy now. Obviously, he doesn't want to do anything he doesn't have to. But Right, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to kill. And I think, I think the thing is, is that he doesn't want to revert back to the person that he was in that town where he was uh, cut off from everybody else. And, yeah, he was, he was sitting there, you know, clear, clear, being, you know, clear, clear out was the name of the episode, or clear was the name of the episode, and he... All he's always, all he was about was killing, and I don't think he wants to get to that point in his life again. So it's very interesting to see uh, what he's doing, or he's making a big effort to do not to be that person again. So now um, this leads, a, this opens up the next question. I mean, what are going to be the repercussions of you know this little mini war that they had? What's going to happen? Well, I think once we finally get Rick and his group back to Alexandria and uh, Carol is able to tell him what happened and explain what was with the horn. And uh, we, the horn was a semi-truck that drove into the church. Uh, the, guy, the wolf that was driving the, the thing ended up crashing the, into the wall that's around Alexandria and the horn was going off. It didn't, eventually didn't stop until Morgan showed up to uh, bust it open and stop it. At that point, it's going to be, I think Rick is going to go on the offensive instead of just being on the defensive and wanting to take these wolves out. That's what I propose is going to happen. Whether or not that is what happens is another story. I think also what a a cool little um, thing that happened with Carol was almost mirroring what Rick had to do in the episode beforehand, or the the previous episode with the... Ethan Embry character when he was screaming because he got bit in the face he ended up having to stab it in the back of the head uh, the same thing happens with Carol Girl, one of the ladies of Alexandria gets sliced open by a wolf and she's sitting there screaming basically not to bring attention to herself she puts a knife into the back of that lady's head too yep. to put her down so it was like that's it's it's. I think I mean obviously the show creators don't aren't showing you things that aren't important so it's showing you how close Rick and Carol are to the same state of mind at this point. Yeah. Oh, man. Holy shit. All right. And I also got to ask, because um, I wrote this down, do you think Morgan done fucked up by letting the wolves go? Earlier? Uh, before he got to Alexandria or the ones that he fought in Alexandria? The ones that he fought in Alexandria. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At this point, it, it, I mean, okay. Bear in mind, it is one against six, so he did the best that he could to fight them off. And then, like, if he were to take one out, that leaves him vulnerable to the other five. So, 
it probably was the best thing for him to do at the moment, but it's obviously going to come back to bite him in the ass later or bite the rest of the, the people, the rest of the group in the ass later. What'd you think of Carl almost sparing that wolf? I don't know, once again, it's just more of a fucking Carl. You're an idiot, <laughs> you know? It's Carl. Ugh, I don't see how he's still making these dumb mistakes. As soon as he gets around people, he makes dumb mistakes. Obviously, this was the time when they were going to show the Enid and Carl relationship. Carl says, "Look, I need you should stay here with us." She brings him the keys so that no one else, none of the wolves, can get their hands on him. So he, she's like, "All right, I'm out of here now." And this is following her JSS. Uh, just survive somehow she's gonna get away it's it's not her fight she doesn't need to do it all she cares about is herself she wants to get away um obviously he she has some type of feeling towards carl because carl is able to talk to her and keep her from leaving the house she stays behind to help him protect judith basically that was the big showcase i think for the for the so as soon as he kills that wolf he turns around to look for Enid, and Enid's gone. Yep. She she's she's surviving. That's what she needs to do. That's how she's she sees life now. Survive at any cost. Obviously, not a person you want in your corner when, <laughs> when the apocalypse is coming because she's not there to help you. She's there to help herself. Yep. Selfish. <laughs> what? Uh, anything else you think about this episode? Anything else you want to say about it? I want to cover how. The lady that cuts hair totally killed that wolf that was awesome. Mama Bear protecting the cubs. Exactly. She's She has her cutting hair utensils set out because today is the day. She's cut her own hair. She's cut the little kid's hair. I'm going to cut Ronnie's hair too. But Ronnie, obviously, I'm a teenager, so I have problems and I don't <laughs> want to listen to you. And I don't want to do anything you have to say. And as soon as Ronnie leaves the house, or, yeah, that's when everything goes down. So the utensils are still sitting there on the counter. For whatever reason, she sees that a people are attacking. She gets her youngest son into the closet, where they have smartly put a deadbolt on the door, which I thought was uh, very great uh, before you know beforehand thinking. Obviously, it's for dealing with zombies. Oh, and it might, it might, it might be for dealing with... Uh, the father that beats him, yeah. but it could, but a, a real person, a person that's alive, not a walker could still break through that closet door easily to get it open. Maybe they don't want to do that to hurt themselves. A wolf would probably do it because they're crazy. Obviously, uh, walkers might not break through the door. They might, as long as they're quiet, the, the kid was quiet enough. He, they might walk, we might walk past it. So, she goes out to investigate if anybody's still inside the house. Uh, at, at first glance, it doesn't seem like there is anybody in the house, but there is one female wolf that uh, basically jumps at jumps out at her from the corners, uh, and they fight. They fight each other. She doesn't quite get the gun off. Uh, the gun falls down. She goes for a knife, or she goes for the scissors that are sitting on the counter and brutally stabs the wolf in the chest and neck and it was awesome blood everywhere (laughs) (laughs) so that was a very cool scene you know and we do we as as audience members we definitely uh cheer for the mother that's protecting her child so it played out perfectly anything else you want to say about this episode uh no but since we did uh finish with the walking dead maybe it's time to 
introduce our little co- uh, contest we got going on. That's right. This week we started a contest, Televised Heroics, with Geek Elite Radio Network has a contest going where if you go to geekleetradio.com, you can see the official rules and prizes. And the basic gist of it is we want to hear your best zombie moan, snarl, growl, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so get on your social media, uh, Vine, Instagram, Twitter, social, uh, Facebook, Snapchat, whatever. Record yourself, you, uh, a group of your friends, uh, in makeup, in costume, or not, and do your best impression of a zombie. Hashtag it, Geek Elite Zombies, and then post it to our Facebook page, and you could possibly win a whole season five of walking dead on blu-ray amongst other prizes which are pretty sweet prizes that's right so we have a really cool contest going on anybody everybody anybody and everybody should go ahead and try and uh participate and i'm just gonna go ahead and give out my best walker growl (laughs) (laughs) there you go i think greg nicotero would be very proud of you at this point (laughs) I've already said many times I can't do impressions at all, so yeah, I'm not going to even attempt it. <laughs> <laughs> However, you know, Daniel, you're not eligible to win. Oh man. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody go go to our website, check out the official rules, and then go and post your your video on our Facebook page. Should be fun. Should Everybody should do it. Anything else you want to talk about this week? No, I think I'm done with my portion. Is there anything you want to talk about? Uh, no, I think we're good. I think everything we covered uh, covers the show. So, once again, places you can find us. GeekEliteRadio.com, our forum. We have a forum set up. Go in there, sign up for an account. Talk to the other people that are just like you and want to talk about these shows or anything else that you're geeking out about. Uh, go to facebook.com backslash geek elite radio. You can definitely get a hold of us there. We answer questions that are, that come at us at all times. You know, uh, there's definitely, we're help. We're building a community there at geek elite radio on Twitter. That's where you can find me specifically. I will be there to answer any question you have. Uh, you can find me at agent underscore of the underscore bat and, uh, Daniel, if you want to give out your Twitter, Twitter, my Twitter is too complicated thinking about changing it, but you can find me under my name, Daniel Barroso. There you go. Just search Daniel Barroso. You can get a hold of Daniel on Twitter. And go and download the Stitcher app. Stitcher is uh, basically Pandora for podcasts. We are on there now. I downloaded this this week. I think it's one of the best apps that I could have gotten. It's awesome. It will, just like Pandora, you, you pick which... Uh, podcast you already like to listen to and then it will start using algorithms to figure out what other podcasts that are out there you would be interested in so it is great you know you're going out for a walk you're doing some exercise you're in the gym you have a job where you just sit in an office looking at a computer screen podcasts are where it's at so go ahead and take a look at that i think that's everything we need to say for this week until next time i'm mitch and I'm Daniel. Saying, geek out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.